Hello and welcome back to another 7500 to hold opposition preview. This weekend we play Manchester City away. This is a tough one. This is the first kickoff on the Saturday, 12:30 p.m. kickoff in the UK, uh, which would mean 7:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time zone here in uh, North America, which for me and Nico sucks. And without further ado, <laughs> introduce Nico. Nico Morales, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Nico is a freelance writer. He is a Manchester City fan. And surprisingly enough, it's hard to find Manchester City fans that actually want to, I wouldn't say not engage, but that are actually doing podcasts and are kind of more social. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting fan base for sure. I think, um, you know, when I first got into all this stuff, it was... I didn't do it for the you know explicit purpose of trying to cover Manchester City just as football in foot or in football as a whole. Um, but yeah, the the city fan base is one that that is really interesting in terms of how the fan dynamics work. Oh, absolutely, and I think uh, even before we preview it, I think there's there's always fans, especially in the UK, um, especially with me being um, outside of the UK, that are kind of interested to see how international fans become fans of their club. So for you. How did you become a Man City fan? It's funny because I've definitely been asked this question before, and I think just like just to kind of get meta about it real quick, like I think it, a few years ago when I started writing about um, football, um, you know, there was like this expectation that Americans have these like amazing, you know, sort of interconnected, super in-depth background stories as to how they became fans of their you know British clubs or European clubs and like I just don't have that like mine is very boring but now sort of the opposite is happening with um UK fans in terms of the NBA and the NFL like they're just kind of picking <laughs> they're just kind of picking and choosing in the same sort of arbitrary ways that that you know North American fans once did but basically mine boils down to my friends introduced me or reintroduced me to, to football in, in high school um because I played as a kid I lived in Spain for a little bit but then when I moved back it wasn't big here so I kind of stopped um and then when they sort of reintroduced me to the premier league none of them i didn't know a single one of them any any one of them that liked the premier league that um that like manchester city they were all arsenal or manchester united or chelsea fans um so i said you know who's this other blue team on the top of the table or near the top of the table and it's been uh, it's been an interesting journey ever since oh uh it's definitely been a different one from villa's standpoint but it's interesting <laughs> to hear that because that kind of happened with me, especially around the high school time. I got back into it. Um, always kind of supported Villa from afar. I'm a glutton and a sucker for punishment, apparently. But um, no, it's just one of those things, especially from North American standpoint, where it kind of comes in and out of our lives at a young age. And then we just kind of find this passion. And later on, it just never leaves us. But anyways, we'll move on from there. We'll, we'll get on to the nitty gritty and what I'm sure a lot of people want to hear. Uh, Manchester City. It's been a it's been an interesting season to be honest, because I think a lot of people thought you and Liverpool would be a lot closer, and obviously Liverpool dropping points against United on the week last weekend actually helped. So, with that being said, how do you feel your season's gone so far? Uh, I, I, you know, it's obviously a bit disappointing given sort of the disparity in points, like you said, between us and Liverpool. Um, you know, the the two main title contenders. At the same time, I, I think. It is interesting from sort of an analytical or statistical or just pure entertainment perspective because Manchester City have been so good for the past two seasons and um, 
I would say that right now there are some genuine issues with the tactical structure of the team, which is something that hasn't really been explored with Guardiola previously. Like that isn't to say he hasn't had issues when he was at Barcelona or Bayern Munich, but this is, you know, his fourth year at Manchester City and he usually, or not usually, you know, there's not too much of a sample size, but um, you know, at Bayern, he was only there for three years and then Barcelona previously, I think it was five years. Um, so we haven't seen Guardiola stay at a club for this long um, in a little bit. And it's interesting to see the evolution of his teams because, you know, they, unlike other title defenders, you know, Manchester City won back-to-back titles. Um, so you usually see these teams getting better. And now there is sort of the, this genuine issue of how the team is defending and how they're not, they're no longer suppressing the, the kinds of chances that they used to. Um, so I think from that perspective, it's been interesting, and that's kind of the positive way I can spin it. But yeah, generally it hasn't been uh, as, as, uh, as you know, immediately positive as it has been over the past uh, two seasons. Oh, for sure. And I guess keeping on that kind of perspective, we'll kind of actually, we'll kind of go over to the injury side now. Um, I don't know if this is good or bad from a Villa standpoint, but obviously last weekend you beat Palace with some struggle near the end, but a 2-0 win nonetheless. And you're playing center backs, but your center backs are uh, Fernandinho and uh, was it uh, Rodri, I believe. Yeah. Uh, they're not center backs and you're still winning games. So I guess with that being said, uh, is that an area of concern right now? And you still won two nothing, but I still have to ask, is that a area that Villa can exploit? Uh, yeah, I think it's, you have to sort of look at Manchester city in a, in a different respect, right? Like we're playing non-typical players and in, in non-typical roles, but that isn't, you know, a foreign thing for Guardiola or Manchester City or, you know, the confluence of both of them. Manchester Manchester City won their first league title with Guardiola um, playing, you know, Fabian Delph at left back. It's not, there's a, there's a sort of a meme on tactics or analytics Twitter that, that is largely ascribed to a close friend, Nathan Clark, where he kind of always says, you know, players aren't positions. And it's important to have that concept in mind when you think about Manchester City, because when you talk about a team that, you know, averages over 70 percent possession um usually in the premier league the center backs aren't really doing center back things all the time they're they're mainly distributors of possession and they're incredibly important in that role but within that you know when it comes to the actual defending of things i think that's where teams are starting to have a little bit of success i think that's the biggest problem for manchester city right now is that you know last year they largely had you know vincent company and Amerik laporte back there and the most important thing the, the center backs do in, in relation to how City defend is that they keep that space tight, right? So Manchester City are, are, are a relentless pressing team because they're always trying to get the ball back when they lose it. The, the easiest way that you can sort of maximize those pressing actions or getting the ball back is by making the, the pitch as small as possible. The way that you do that is by holding a really high and aggressive line. You need high, uh, you need, sorry, not high, but <laughs> rather um, aggressive um, intelligent defenders to hold a high and aggressive line and Vincent Company and, and Laporte did that exceptionally well last season when you play players that are good positionally but not um, gifted in the same ways as those players like Rodri and, and Fernandinho who have a different skill set then that spacing starts to unravel a little bit and teams have a little bit more space if they're able to play through sort of the initial phase of the press um, so in relation to the sort of uh, injury concerns that you mentioned that's I think where the 
the effects of that are felt uh, most palpably. You know, is is they can't keep the space as well. So teams are enjoying a little bit more uh, more freedom on the ball if they're able to get that past that initial wave of pressure. Now I have to bring up one thing because I definitely I watched the Manchester City uh, Palace game on on the weekend, and the one thing that stood out to me was that as soon as Benteke came on, you guys really struggled. And that can be down to, obviously, you're not playing center backs. You're playing midfielders, defensive midfielders, really, in a center back position. Uh, Is there an element of this Manchester City side that struggles with uh, the physicality? Because, obviously, Benteke is a big guy. And I just noticed this, well, virtually as soon as he came on without Ederson, that probably would have been a goal because... That was going way away from the keeper, fair to say, and that was a fantastic save. So would you say uh, playing strong physical strikers or forwards, even some midfielders, um, can be an issue for City? Yeah, hundred percent. Like I said, it's it's all about the space. Um, so, in regards to open play, those central defenders have to be really aggressive and and make sure that if a central central forward does get the ball or a striker does get the ball, that they don't have the ability to pass it because that'll stop the team from advancing in set piece. Uh, in relation to set pieces, that's an area where Manchester City have always struggled. You know, when with Vincent Company no no longer in the team, with John Stones injured, Laporte injured, um, you know, a variety of other people not there. Um, Manchester City are a very small team. You know, you're talking about a team that f- consistently features like Riyad Mahrez, David Silva, Bernardo Silva. And, uh, you know, Sergio Aguero, these guys are not uh, are factors <laughs> when it comes to defending set pieces. They're like midgets. So um, there's definitely an element to where you can exploit Manchester City physically if you have, um, you know, if you have the, the players to do that. Oh, absolutely. Now, if you're looking at this game from your perspective, it's um, a lot easier to look at than ours because, let's be honest, uh, most Villa fans, if you're being realistic, um, are probably petrified and thinking we're going to get absolutely smacked around here and just kind of keep the uh, the goal scoring down to as much as possible. Uh, from your perspective, how do you see this game going? I think, you know, I don't, I wouldn't... Uh... I would struggle to be characterized as, as arrogant if I came out and said, you know, that City is probably going to win it. <laughs> oh, that's but, not arrogant at all. That's that's being honest. Be as literally, if it's if you want to say something that's brutally honest, feel free to say it. I won't take it as an insult. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's you know it's not a huge surprise that I might say that I think City will win. At the same time, you know, like I said, there are weaknesses that can be exploited playing uh, players that are not uh don't have a specific skill set in the central center back role um is a weakness that any team can exploit and teams are always getting better at trying to exploit those things because you know city and guardiola and all these people have sort of inextricably changed the way um teams in the premier league play so from what i understand i haven't seen too much of villa this season but i think they're pretty good um and if they can kind of do the same thing that a lot of teams have been doing i know palace didn't put forward the best performance um both sort of on the eye test and analytically, but there were some decent moments. You know, if you can exploit the central defenders, move up the field in the counterattack um, by, you know, using a, a physicality up top, then there's there's still plenty of room to kind of get at City. It's definitely possible. It's definitely more possible than, it, than it's been in the past couple of years. So if there was ever a time to beat Manchester City, um, it's now. Oh, for sure. And kind of when you said, when you say, uh, like, 
the time is now, I guess, to beat them, essentially. You never know with the Premier League, it's anything can happen. I think that's why everyone loves it so much. Obviously, you guys coming off of a a big 5-1 win in the Champions League against Atalanta. Um, Now, playing Tuesday and then playing Saturday, first thing, first fixture on the Saturday, is, uh, without trying to pick holes too much at Manchester City, because it's almost impossible. You guys have two teams, basically, you could split up and probably both finish in the top six. Um, And I think any fan would kill for that. But do you think fixtures so tight together, could that be a little bit of a concern as well? Yeah, that's something, you know, Pep is always complaining about in the press conferences. And there was something that came out recently that, you know, in the in the winter period, which is fast approaching, they'll be playing like three games over the course of like five days. And I'm sure we'll, we'll hear about that. So he's always kind of complaining about that because it is important. And Rodri looked, uh, looked a little worrisome, I think, in the Atalanta game. And there was a there was a, also an injury concern with Fernandinho. So, yeah, I, I think... Um, that's always a concern, especially considering there is just such a an injury crisis right now at City at the central defender role, which is a really important part of the team in terms of how they move the ball. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a concern. Okay, and uh, kind of moving away from that, we'll go to a broader view. We'll step away from this fixture in particular, even though it'll still kind of encompass what it's about. Um, if you look at the title race and as a whole. Do you think if you lose this, I would I would never say it's over, but would, do you think if somehow if you lost against Villa or Drew, this is an uphill battle that might be a little bit too steep? It's definitely steep as is. Um, I think it's going to be difficult to kind of make up that point differential because Liverpool, unlike Manchester City, they haven't you know sort of regressed in any way. I know analytically the numbers aren't um, quite there. Uh, they're not as bad as as certain things have have projected to to come out quite yet. Um, but yeah, if, if all three points were 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 dropped here, I'd say it's it's it'd be pretty difficult. That said, there's a lot of season left to go. You know, who knows what could happen? Um, but it it is already pretty uh, a pretty steep hill to climb, and this that would only make it more difficult. Oh, I agree. And like with that being said, though, I think either way, both those fixtures against Liverpool are going to be the ones that almost decided, in my opinion, you would think um, realistically. So that'll be interesting how it happens there. Um, We'll switch over back to the fixture on the weekend now. Um, This is kind of an interesting question I've asked not every podcast we've done for opposition previews, but a few. And it's always interesting to hear what opposition fans say. Would there, and this is so tough because it's it's Man City. Like you guys have the most ridiculous squad I've ever seen, and arguably it could be the best squad ever assembled. With that being said, would there ever be one player that I wouldn't say maybe fits in your starting eleven, but that you would put in your squad from Villa? Uh, and you can be as brutally honest as possible. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, John McGinn is a, is a tidy player. Um, certainly, and and like I wrote something recently on John Felix. I'm not sure if it's come out yet, but um, you know the 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 interesting way that uh, sort of um, Manchester City attack is uh, is sort of with a front five, and that's you know been key in in getting the best out of players like Raheem Sterling because it kind of gets rid of these sort of traditional roles of like a winger or you know a, a, a attacking midfielder all these things it, it lets it gives special players 
um, enough room to do special things. That's kind of the way I like to look at it. And from what I've seen out of John McGinn, I think if if he were to be plugged into a system like that, that's something he would uh, he would definitely flourish in. Sort of a, sort of a similar role to to what Sterling's been doing with his ability to sort of receive and and move forward with the ball. Um, so I think if if I wanted a player from from Villa, that it, it would definitely be him or maybe Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish would actually probably do better job there, but um, but yeah, one of those two. That's always interesting to hear because. I, I'm almost sure, and I'm sure uh, someone on our website can maybe even take a look at this, but I feel like 99.9%, if not 100% of the people, always just say Jack Grealish. And it's actually nice to hear someone say someone like John McGinn because it's not an automatic cop-out. And I think, personally, from a Villa fan's perspective, he's a player that um, he can be noticeable, but at times he can drift away, and he's even doing the small things that people don't notice. And those are the things... I personally appreciate. I love watching, like especially defensive midfielders, even though he isn't one, um, work their way through the pitch and do their thing. And you have a lot of people come out and say, like, oh, they're not scoring goals or assists, but they do so much more. But anyways, I'm getting off the topic here. Um, well, <laughs> we'll wrap it up there. Um, but before we do, actually, um, let's get your score prediction. And if you wouldn't be so, ever so bold, um, who do you think the goal scorers would be? Wow, that is a, it's a tough one. <laughs> um, let me try to make an informed guess here. Uh, let's see. It's tough. Like it, honestly, like this could this is one of those games. And um, for our listeners who listened on the uh, Holtcast on the Monday or Sunday it went out, um, I predicted everyone else predicted like three one four one losses, and I just thought I'd be positive and go two two because you never know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if I'll agree with you there, but I'm probably going to say, um, I'll say 3-0 to, to Man City. Um, that's, with, that's fair. With maybe Aguero scoring a brace and, and Mares getting one if he plays. That's fair, because I think you guys are going to have a bit of rotation, especially with the midweek fixture. And uh, no, it's not it's not bold at all, because uh, like, the, the realistic part of me says it's a loss, but I'm kind of just hoping it is, because then it's kind of big headline news for us. And uh, that's always great to make uh, content off of, especially. And who wouldn't mind a... A 2-2 draw with City looks good on the record. But anyways, <laughs> uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there, Nico. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, feel free right now. Go ahead and uh, if you want to plug the stuff that you were involved with. Yeah, uh, haven't been writing a ton about football lately, but um, looking to change that, you know, busy with school and stuff. But um, you can always follow me. I'm writing about a variety of topics, not just football anymore. Um, and you can find all that stuff on my Twitter, which is at Nico underscore O Morales. Um, but yeah, that's really it. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, no problem. And of course you can find me on Twitter at talk Aston Villa, go over to the website, www.7500toholt.com. I said all three W's this time. And usually I say two. And I realize that after I'm in the editing process, so that's great to say, of course, you can find us on Twitter as well at 7500 to Holt. Uh, it's been great, Nico. Thank you very much. Uh, and yeah, of course up the villa. 